We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's time for our AFC North and AFC West previews. We're going to do fades, targets, over-unders, injuries, anything else that's a training camp issue, that and more on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast with Nick Whalen and I. Everybody, Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. We are previewing the North and the West and the AFC as we continue our series on Monday of uh, doing divisional previews. Nick, how's it going since we talked to you an hour ago? Uh, believe it or not, my life has not changed uh, really in any way uh, over the last hour since we wrapped the Monday edition of the XM show. But uh, a ton going on, you know, not only in the NFL world, but uh, you know, my closer here in Milwaukee, Josh Hader, is no longer a member of the Milwaukee right. Brewers. Uh, we will not be talking any MLB trade deadline uh, on this podcast, however, but uh, a ton to get into. I mean, double teaming these divisions uh, on each episode, it, it's a lot of work. There's so much to talk about. I felt like last week, you know, when we were talking AFC South, especially, we, we could have gone for two hours just on the Jaguars alone. Oh, clearly. I mean, the, the public wanted it, too. It's just we're very stingy. We mm-hmm. can't give it all away. Exactly. So They wanted uh, it so badly. Yeah, I know. I know the demand it would have like quadrupled, tripled, maybe even. So uh, we will be taking your uh, AFC North and AFC West questions. So throw them in the comments as you jump into the live stream here. Let's start off with we rule the North. My Bengals got a lot of gear this offseason or during the season, as the case may be. Uh, life was good. Now life is harder. Uh, we got to, you know, with uh, success comes expectations. It comes with uh, a harder schedule. And already a little bit of adversity. Uh, we've got uh, uh, our starting quarterback had an appendectomy. Now, fortunately, that's the injury I can live with um, because, you know, he'll be back. In fact, he was in and around camp today, uh, not practicing yet or anything, but uh, good progress there. Uh, so let's start. Let's just start right there. Uh, Joe Burrow, are you going to draft him at cost this year, Nick? I am absolutely going to draft him at cost. As I've talked to you about on the show the last few weeks, I'm all in on Joe Burrow. Uh, and, you know, 20 minutes ago, I guess you asked what's changed in the last hour. The only thing that's changed for me is I was able to sneak in a, a quick underdog best ball. I'm actually nice. uh, wrapping up the 18th round right now as we speak. And is this the puppy? Yes, yes. Nice. And I, I got my hands on Joe Burrow. I uh, got him with the 70th overall pick. I, I took him. Uh, right after uh, there's a run of quarterbacks and I felt like I had to pounce. So all in the sixth round uh, went Herbert, Jackson, Mahomes, Hertz, Murray, 
Uh, and I felt like if I didn't take Joe Burrow there, uh, he was going to get snapped up. And, and two picks later, Trey Lance came off the board. Now, uh, we both know I, I'm not touching Trey Lance, especially at that point uh, mm-hmm. in a draft. But I was, I was happy to finally land Joe Burrow. And, you know, I, I have a few notes jotted down for the pod. And one of them is I, I feel like somehow, despite, you know, coming off of leading a team to the Super Bowl in his second year in the NFL, it, it feels to me like Joe Burrow is somehow still a little bit underrated. And I think it's mostly just due to the caliber of the names, you know, uh, I, I guess ahead of him, quote mm-hmm. unquote, at the quarterback position in the NFL. But it, it kind of feels like everybody has mentally kind of leapfrogged Justin Herbert over Joe Burrow. And I, I know the physical tools for Justin Herbert, and, and obviously we'll talk about him when we get to the AFC West. The physical tools are maybe more impressive, but I mean, Justin Herbert didn't even lead the Chargers to the playoffs last season. And Joe Burrow, you know, after getting half of a rookie year, took the Cincinnati Bengals to the Super Bowl in his second year. And uh, whether you're talking fantasy or real life, I, I, I feel like, uh, you know, Joe Burrow, the personality gets talked about a lot, but sure. I, I still think he's a little bit underrated in terms of what he brings on the field. Well, you know, they were incredibly efficient on deep balls last year. And there is some argument that that's going to fall back just because naturally it will. Um, and that late led to his 8.9 yards per attempt. Um, that's true. But also, he's going to have more time, and God knows we we know he needed more time last year. Just even a second longer last year in the Super Bowl might have made all the difference in the world. Uh, Joe Burrow isn't going to run a ton. 40 carries for 118 yards last year, two rushing touchdowns, three the year before. In a in theory, in a perfect world, he's not going to have to scramble as much as he did last year because he's going to have more time because they went out and invested in that offensive line, brought three guys in from the outside, mm-hmm. Uh and they're banking on some improvement with uh, the, the existing linemen too, a little bit there uh, with, with what remains. So in particular, I think uh, Jackson Carmen is the guy they're hoping that can win that uh, guard left guard spot. But uh, at any rate, um, yeah, he's not going to run, which maybe holds him back against other, uh, other QBs. Maybe they don't have to air it out as much. Maybe is the other thought. I don't know, man. Um, I think, what he did last year is – I don't know if there's something beyond what he did last year, but what he does last year was pretty damn good, and I would take that, especially for where you're paying for him. Absolutely, and I think you have to factor in, you know, he's really going into like his second-and-a-half season in the NFL, right? I mean, the, the, yep. the thing about the Cincinnati team is virtually every key contributor should sustain at worst, and, and a lot of these guys could continue getting better, you know, and that, that includes obviously Jamar Chase, it includes Higgins, it includes Boyd. Uh, it even includes Joe Mixon, who, who's not that old. So I think you have the combination of kind of internal progression for all those guys. And then by far the biggest factor, I think, is the improved offensive line. I mean, to make it as yep. far as they did. I mean, what, what, what was the – did they get sacked, what, eight times in the, the Tennessee game? I nine. Think it was. Nine, nine times. times. And he got I hit mean, many, many others too. Some of that's on him because he holds the ball sure, a long, sure. tried to make a play, scramble when he should have thrown it away. You know, but that mm-hmm. – that, not all of it's on him, obviously, too. No. So, yeah, uh, that that should should improve. And then in the Super Bowl, he was, I think, more pressured in the Super Bowl than any other quarterback, even more than Mahomes the year before against Tampa Bay, which right. we, we, he was running for his life in that game the whole time. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so uh, you got to figure it's going to be better, but it's also going to be harder to get there this year. Right. Um, the, the schedule, notably after the uh, their bye week, is just nuts. It, it, it's a really, really nasty schedule. Uh, but that, and, and they, they have five primetime games. They used to be kind of a crap the bed in primetime type of team, but maybe not anymore. But all three division road games are in primetime. That, that's weird. I mean, you know, 
but maybe make one of those a home game. I don't know, but I'm being picky here. I guess I'm just happy I get to see my Bengals play at a time other than Sunday at one o'clock. Uh, you get you get the other start times, but they have a week ten bye after the bye at Pittsburgh, at Tennessee, home against the Chiefs, home against the Browns, and there's news there. We'll get to that Deshaun Watson shortly. At Tampa Bay, at New England, home against the Bills and Ravens. There's not a soft game in that stretch. No, no, not at all. And you know, I, I think you get kind of a tough schedule break getting both of the Cleveland games after Deshaun Watson will likely be back. Yes. And again, you know, we'll hit on that again when we get to the Browns. But pretty good chance, you know, Deshaun Watson is playing. I guess that would be his second game back, uh, you know, in, in week eight. And then, you know, certainly for week 14, you would imagine Deshaun Watson's in the lineup there, too. So, I mean, that's that's the virtue of getting the first place schedule, you know, winning the division last year. Um, yeah, you do get a, a couple semi gimme games. You get the Jets in week three. That one's on the road. You get the Falcons in week seven. You have to like your chances there. Uh, and even that Tennessee game, I think, in week 12. It's not a gimme by any means, but that's one that I think now uh, maybe looks a, a little bit more palatable than it did uh, when the schedule came out. But not an easy yeah. schedule by any means. I mean, that's that's how it works in the NFL. It's, it's extremely tough to make it back. I mean, uh, obviously, you know, they, they fell a little bit short last year. But how long has it been since we've even had – a repeat Super Bowl winner. I think you have to go all the way back to New England, right? And in, in like the early two mm-hmm. thousands. I mean, it is. It's really, really difficult to win it back to back, of course. But it's it's really difficult to even get there. But yeah, um, I I like the Bengals, man. I I know it as a Bengals fan, you never want to buy too hard. Uh, you know, especially in year two, you, you kind of have to expect the worst in some ways. But I don't know, eleven to one to 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 represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. I, I kind of like those odds for a team that was there not that long ago. I agree. Um, I'm, I've got an, an over under on win total is 10 uh, for them. Uh, under is the favorite uh, minus 125. And it's been trendy to kind of talk down and may, maybe even make the Ravens as the favorite in the division. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I actually, I don't mind hearing that sort of talk, uh, Nick. Uh, in, in fact, the Ravens are at nine and a half though, according to the DraftKings Sportsbook, uh, mm-hmm. and heavily weighted to the under at not, at minus one fifty two. So we'll get to Ravens in a second. Other targets. I mean, Chase is one of the top three receivers in every, almost every draft. I'm paying that price. I'm paying the price for Higgins. He's usually around somewhere in the early third. Um, I, I'm I'm happily paying that price too. Uh, I in fact. I don't mind any of the major skill position players at the price, even Mixon. I think some people mm-hmm. are concerned that Mixon might be overdrafted. Uh, he's going into the first round. This is the year they're going to throw to him more. No, it's not. It's going to be the same. But the, the same is fine, in my opinion. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think I think you're right. It's it's difficult to pick out the the, the kind of overrated player, I guess, mm-hmm. on this team. There's a lot to like, and it feels like they have the perfect number of pieces, right? I mean, there's some teams where it's like, all right, well, it's it, you know, Tampa Bay, for example, adding Julio Jones, you're like, well, you know, when, when everybody's healthy, it's like at best, he's the third guy, you know, maybe even the fourth guy, depending on, on what he looks like. It feels like Cincinnati, when everyone's healthy, has the perfect number of weapons. Everybody kind of knows their spot. You know, Jamar Chase is clearly the number one. T. Higgins is clearly the number two. Tyler Boyd is clearly the number three. And, and it, it seems like it operates and works really well. So to me, it, it, it's really hard to point out one guy and say, you know, I'm, I'm not drafting him at cost because – like Tyler Boyd, I mean, the, the third receiver and what should be a really good offense, he just went 114th uh, in the underdog draft that I just did. So like, you're not, it's not like you're having to draft somebody like that with the 85th overall pick. You know, you're, I think everybody's coming at a fair price. Um, and, and certainly given what Jamar Chase did last year, I, I don't think there's any debate. He's, he's absolutely uh, worth that price right now. I, there's some guys where, 
you, know, you kind of want to say, uh, oh, let's see him do it again before I buy in. I mean, it, Chase was so convincing last year that I, it's never even crossed my mind to think twice about it. Yep, same here. Same here. A generational talent, I think. And remember, Penny Sewell versus uh, Jamar Chase was the debate. And Sewell is going to be a great offensive lineman. I think so, too. Yep. Uh, and nonetheless, so happy we took Chase. So happy about that. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's, let's, we mentioned it in passing a couple of times, but the Cleveland Browns got news today on Deshaun Watson. The recommended suspension. By the time you hear this, it might no longer be recommended, but currently it's the recommended suspension uh, for Deshaun Watson is six games. Now, apparently, uh, Watson's people are a little still upset about that. They think they think zero should be the right answer. The NFL is still you know, holding their cards tight, saying they're reviewing it there. So it may not be six. It could be more. Uh, the NFLPA said they're not going to uh, protest the decision, but maybe Watson's people might. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think it's interesting that the NFLPA, which – almost always in this in these situations obviously has to take the side of the player uh, regardless of the situation it's their obligation so the fact that the pa is saying like all right uh, we're good with this uh that to me that that's an interesting indication you know that i I think they're kind of signaling to watson like hey this is a pretty good deal i wouldn't rock the boat if i were you you know sit out the six games i I know you you probably feel like you were suspended last season when you really weren't uh, Mm -hmm. but six games in the grand scheme of things i mean just if you if you peruse social media in the last few hours people aren't happy. It doesn't seem severe, right. enough, you know? And, and I think, I think if you're Watson and, and his camp, I, it, w- it would be, it's, it's a risk certainly to, to try to appeal this. And, and, you know, I, I think, you know, put your head down, serve the suspension, come back week seven, try to put this behind you. To me, that seems like the best course of action, but um, it's one of those things, you know, that that's easier said than done. But, you know, as we discussed on the XM show, I, I think this is a fairly good deal the way that this shakes out, you know, you still have, you have four of your first six games that look very, very winnable, even with Jacoby Brissett under center. So regardless of what happens with Deshaun Watson, I mean, we have to, we're not far away from week one. We have to start preparing for what that looks like. And I would say it's almost certain that Watson is not going to be out there for that game. I, I would be pretty surprised if this goes from maybe he could be suspended for the full season to looks like six games to somehow down to zero games. Um, you know, you're, you're more the legal expert than I am, but I, I don't see that happening. <laughs> I'm a recovering attorney, not a practicing yes. one. Uh, so uh, the other thing is, if you go in the Wayback Machine to all the way to a year ago, the Browns were the odds-on favorite to win the division in this division. Uh, they, it didn't end up that way, but tell you what. I mean, they got a, a really strong roster. They at, they lost Jarvis Landry. Obviously, they lost OBJ in season last year. They added Amari Cooper. Um, but the, like their offensive line is strong. Their defense is strong. Uh, this is a team that is – a built to win, but was being held back by quarterback play for the last couple of years. Um, there's a pretty high expectation on this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is. And it, I think the Watson thing has kind of clouded it, right? Where it, it's yeah. hard to go into a season and have real expectations when, you know, people thought your starting quarterback could be suspended for the entire year. Uh, but, you know, you get Carolina week one, you get the Jets week two, you get uh, a Pittsburgh Steelers team that'll be starting Mitch Trubisky in week three. And then you get the Atlanta Falcons, who might be the worst team in the league in week four. So there's a case to be made that Cleveland could still very well start three and one, maybe even four. No, uh, you get the Chargers in week five. That's on paper, probably a loss, but who knows? Uh, and then the Patriots week six, and you bring Deshaun Watson back for week seven uh, against the Baltimore Ravens. And from there, you feel like you finally have your team and, and then you can kind of begin your evaluation. So, you know, as, as we, we kind of laid out on the XM show, it's, it's, it's a little, it still feels a little weird talking about it in this context. I think that'll fade, you know, as the season gets going and we kind of have no choice but to talk football. 
Um, but once Deshaun Watson is back, I, I think if you can assume that he looks like the guy that we last saw in Houston two seasons ago, uh, there's a ton to like about this Cleveland Browns team that, you know, offensively still has some major questions, but I, I think defensively, you know, the running back position is super solid. Um, you know, if, Desha- if Deshaun Watson looks like himself, I think the AFC North will be other than the AFC West, the, the, the second most uh, thoroughly competitive division in all of football. Yeah, absolutely. Browns chargers last year was an amazing game too. Yeah. Uh, just, all, all if you unless you like defense, uh, in which case it was terrible. But Chris well, we, Spielman, we get, a, probably, we get a rematch this year too. Yes, they get, exactly. they get the Chargers as one of those wild card games, and yeah. you know, to 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 help the schedule too. I mean, the Browns finished in third place, so you're getting that third place kind of wild card schedule. Yep. You get the Chargers, that's not great, but you get the Texans in week 13, and you get the Commanders in week 17. So two games in the latter half of the season when Watson will likely be back that you feel pretty good about. Yeah, as as a contrast, the Bengals draw the Cowboys this year, um, and that, that's a much harder draw. Uh, over under on the Browns, it's actually nine and a half, uh, same as the Ravens. Uh, and in fact, there's less juice on the over for the Browns than there is on, or I mean, on the under than there is for uh, the Ravens. It's only minus one twenty five on the under, plus one hundred five on the over. Uh, so obviously, a lot of people in Vegas uh, reacted pretty optimistically to uh, that news. Uh, I think when, one of the, the, the hot button issues you got to talk about with uh, Cleveland fantasy wise is Nick Chubb. Is he a first round player? Is he, you know, back this, you know, back top of the second round? How far does he have to f- fall for you to take him in a PPR league where we know he's not going to get a ton of targets? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, when, when you're talking PPR league, which obviously is becoming, you know, more and more uh, popular and, and almost standard in, in a lot of ways um, that, that makes the decision a lot more difficult. Um, yeah. You know, he went 20th in the, that underdog league that I'll, I'll probably keep referencing throughout this episode. So, you know, I mean, a considerable drop off. You know, you're seeing him go, you know, markedly behind guys like Joe Mixon, DeAndre Swift, Aaron Jones, Saquon Barkley. It kind of feels like he's maybe on the bottom uh, of that second tier now where, you know, maybe Jonathan Taylor's his own tier. So if you want to call it the third tier, so be right. it. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I mean, in standard leagues, obviously there's a ton to love, but doesn't give you much, you know, through the air. Shaky quarterback situation to begin the year. Maybe that helps them in terms of ground production. But the other thing is you have, you know, one of the best backup running backs in the league in Kareem Hunt on this roster. So, you know, right. there's not this obligation to just feed Nick Chubb. And, and then you feel like there's this massive drop off between your one and two. With that said, I still feel like he's so dependable. He's, he's a player that, you know, in the past, especially in non-PPR, I just love rostering because if he's healthy, you, you just feel like you have a great chance to get at least like 85 yards. That seems like the worst case scenario uh, in any given week. Um, so I still find myself targeting him, but, but again, in, in PPR leagues, it makes you think twice. Yeah, it does. If you get, if you get the number one pick, you could start off Taylor Chubb. Um, oh, absolutely. And that, that's a reasonable pathway. Uh, I, I could see going that way. I haven't gotten them yet this year. I had some of them last year and there's a little bitter taste in my mouth. Cause I remember that Pittsburgh game where they just wouldn't give him the ball and he was killing it too. And then they just stopped using him. Uh, but you know, Kareem Hunt exists and he, you know, I think Hunt is now pretty injury prone. Um, yeah. I think that this might be long-term, they might be long-term issues with uh, Hunt and maybe that makes me discount that risk a little bit earlier, uh, a little bit more, but you know, I, I and I don't like going, uh, you know, especially in a third round reversal draft where I've got, you know, in the, like the NFFC does third round reversal. If I've got Taylor, I'm almost certainly going to get a pass catcher with my second pick uh, because I don't want to wait till 30 pick 36 to get my first wide receiver. That's just how I kind of draft. Uh, but I mean, it, it's in the range of options. I'm not, I'm also not going to push up, say, 
Well, like I will take AJ Brown there instead of Chubb. That that's kind of like one of my boutique picks. I like AJ Brown quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, and the facts are that Chubb is also you know often not quite available at, at pick twenty four. You know, I know you have him at what sixteen overall uh, in your latest update uh, mm-hmm. of your PPR top fifty. So you know he he went twentieth overall in that underdog draft. Like I feel like you see him more in like the fifteen to twenty two range. But like you said, if you're able to to pair him with Jonathan Taylor, you know, with the the one twenty four combo that that's ideal I, I think i would love that um but like you said ppr leagues it, it makes you think twice so i understand that and if you're playing third round reversal you know the need to get a pass catcher there i have not ended up with any aj brown by the way i i, I want to there's just there's, the season's young you got know, you got 10 more leagues to draft nick you're good oh 10 at minimum at least 10 yeah. more I, I i just deposited more on, on underdog today I, I think 10 is on the low end yeah okay there you go um Got a question in this same range. T Higgins goes at 26 in the NFFC in the la- over the weekend. See a better value at 26 than, uh, than Chase is at five. I don't think so. I, I think Jamar Chase is just that good, you know? And, and if you don't take Chase at five, you know, you're, you're going to have no, no real shot at him at all. I, I like, where would, at what pick would you, if you're on the, the other side of this, like what pick would you say that Chase becomes the better value? You know, I, I think you're, you're just paying for the production at the mm-hmm. point. And if that means you have to take him as high as third or fourth overall, then so be it. I, I think he's just so much of a sure thing as long as he's healthy. Um, and it, I mean, I, I think it's, it's also interesting too. Like we mentioned on the XM show, you know, where his stock was uh, this time of year uh, last year versus where it ended. I mean, he was, his ADP in late August was like sixth round. I mean, he was like the wide receiver 25 uh, given the, the ADP site that I was looking at. Um, so it, it almost felt like he started out in a hole, and, and, and in some ways had to dig himself out. I mean, he himself, like two weeks before the season, admitted like, yeah, I'm still having trouble seeing the ball. Like, I, I just feel like there's even – in some ways, he just scratched the surface last year. Yeah. You know, statistically, there's going to be a cap on what he can do. Uh, but I, I don't think it's out of the question that he could be even better because even he himself, you know, admitted that he wasn't fully comfortable going into week one last year. Right. That's right. And then he had an awesome week one, by the way, and torched some good mm-hmm. good defensive back. So I go Cup, Jefferson, Chase. So – I still have the other two ahead of him, but I have Chase yep. at four overall. Like the the a number one spot I don't want to draft from this year is the two spot, which is of course where I'm going to be in uh, in Raslam. Uh, you know, where, where I just got the got the draft order on that one there because I want to take one of the receivers. I'd rather be at four or five or even later, and I can get one of those top three receivers. I'm pretty happy. Like I don't have a strong feel whether it's Eckler or Cook or Harris or, or McCaffrey at number two. I, I don't, I mean, there there's, I'll take them, but I'd rather not. I'd rather take the receivers in that spot. Yeah. I, I had the third pick in the underdog draft. And, you know, after talking to Allen on the show, I, I went Dalvin cook there because mm. Derrick Henry went number two overall, which I, you know, I'm, I've, I'm on the record that I'm pro Derrick Henry bounce back. I'm not taking him at number two in that draft. Nope. Nope. I wouldn't either. Uh, other Cleveland, uh, you know, fancy players, Amari Cooper gets a bump now with uh, the possible good news on Watson. You know, you can get them pretty cheap right now. Uh, there, there was the presumption that you might have had a full season of Jacoby Brissett. I have him at 65 in my latest rankings. Uh, latest draft uh, spot over the weekend with uh, Cooper is uh, – where is – I'm sorry, I had the wrong search term. I was like, oh, it's 66. I'm right there at ADP on him. But that's going to probably change. Uh, it's probably going to go up a little bit more. Are you Are you willing to pay up that extra price to get him? Uh, to, to an extent. Sure. Uh, I think, you know, he went 59 uh, in the draft that I did today. I, I think that's totally fine. I, I mm-hmm. had him on my list. I think if he had made it uh, back around to me, I, I would have been very comfortable 
taking him. Um, you know, I, I ended up taking Rashad Bateman, actually, uh, who I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit, uh, over Amari Cooper and, and a couple other guys. But there's just not a ton of competition here, as, especially once Deshaun Watson is back. And, you know, I, I think maybe at some point we'll have to suss out, like, whether we think Deshaun Watson could just be back to being, you know, all-world Deshaun Watson after taking this much time off and taking such a beating publicly, changing organizations. Like, you know, there, there are some factors here that we have to consider uh, that it might not be like the smoothest transition in the world, but he's in the middle of his prime. He should be fine. Um, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones is someone that I found myself taking at the end of drafts, kind of as a flyer, uh, especially if this offense takes off over the second half. But Amari Cooper is far and away the number one guy in this offense. And, you know, there's still a lot to like, I guess, about David Njoku potential-wise, but he's not the type of tight end that you're worried about eating into, uh, the, you know, the target shares that Amari Cooper is going to command. So, uh, long-winded way of answering your question. Yes, I am very much in uh, at Amari Cooper at the current price. All right. Sneaky uh, late late pick. Uh, get the Cleveland defense in the last round. You get those first four weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that would be really useful. Let's move on to the Ravens. But before we do that, we got a quick note from our Blue Wire sponsors on the Blue Wire Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy, with Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Big thanks. So all of our uh, podcasts are hosted on the Blue Wire Network there, and we're always happy to you know, play their ads. Let's talk Ravens. Over under on their win totals, nine and a half. Uh, big, you mentioned Rashad Bateman. Let's go right to him here. You you grab Bateman today. You and I both like Bateman. Yeah, we talked about him on the XM show and I, I kind of spoke it into existence, I guess. I, I took him mm-hmm. at, at uh, 51 overall, and I, I had it down to it, it was either Bateman, Godwin, Deontay Johnson, or, or Amari Cooper were the names that I was really considering. Uh, Darnell mm-hmm. Mooney and, and Amon Ross St. Brown were also still on the board. Uh, didn't like those guys quite as much. I I, I was sneakily hoping, you know, that maybe this this was, wasn't the like sharpest room and I could grab Godwin in the next round if there were still some lingering concerns uh, about that injury. But I went with Bateman over Godwin, over Cooper. Um, you know, much like we just said about Amari Cooper, Rashad Bateman is far and away the number one guy in a receiving core that traded away its best option from last year and didn't really replace it. You know, it's Devin Duvernay, it's it's James Proch, it's, it's Tylen Wallace. Mm-hmm. Some of those guys are going to end up having productive weeks, but this is also not one of those offenses where you say like, man, there's going to be three receivers, you know, that could all end up being viable. Like, you know, it might be a, a one and then one or two other guys who are kind well, of hanging it's around. Andrews. Let's face it. It's Mark. Well, exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, so we can't say string. Where's Wallace. I, I would do the real quote, but uh, it's a family podcast there, but uh, you don't know what I'm referring to. Do you? I have no idea. The wire. Do you watch the wire? Did you ever see the wire? I've seen I've seen episodes here and there. Okay. I've not watched it through. It's it's been on the list for for probably too long at this point. Gotcha, gotcha. Hey, my outdated reference for the the podcast today. I can't promise it'll be check the it only one. Yeah, but at least we checked that box. Um, okay, so you know, you know, I I, I like uh, Bateman a lot. I want to. I would probably take Mooney ahead of him. And in, in your mm-hmm. situation there, I like Mooney. I think he's actually proven as a player a little bit more. Godwin, I know he's not on the pup list, but I, I don't think he's going to be ready for the start of the season. Still, I mean, I, I trust his skills. Then you know, I can see I, I you can make a really good case for Godwin over him, but I, I probably wouldn't, and especially now that they added Gage and Julio too. That yeah. you know, there, there's a lot of mouse to feed. So uh, it's it's no doubt. Uh, it's no diminishing of. Uh, his talent, it's just a question of health. Uh, Lamar Jackson this year, the bulkier version of Lamar Jackson now. Apparently 220, I think I heard 225. I heard that on the radio today. Oh, yeah. um, he's 64 uh, right now over in the NFFC. Over, and this is a six points per passing touchdown league. So that might diminish his price a little bit because he has less of an advantage. You know, as a running quarterback, he gets a little extra advantage in other formats. It's a little bit lesser of an advantage here. Like, He's the he's QB four in the NFFC over the weekend though. Uh, Lamar Jackson in the same range as Kyler Murray and Joe Burrow. Who do you got among those that trio? I, I like Lamar the most. I have not been able to land him quite yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was more than happy, you know, to to get Joe Burrow as a consolation. But um, I, this feels like it, it could be the year of Lamar, and and obviously he already has an MVP. It's, it's you could say it's happened already, but uh, I, I think the Ravens are, are are just due for some like karmic luck at this point uh, injury wise you know Lamar was was one of the guys who was victimized uh, by the injury bug last season and um, I every everything you hear has been positive about not only really the Ravens offense 
but Lamar Jackson himself, you know, the, the improved passing, adding weight, you know, hopefully that makes him a little bit more durable. Um, you know, it, it feels like every other mobile quarterback each year, it's more like, well, we want to scale back his rushes. We, you know, we, we want to kind of be careful with it. We haven't really seen that with Lamar. Um, you know, it's, it's, they're not really reckless with him and he has a different running style um, you know, that, that some of these other quarterbacks who you worry about getting a little bit more banged up, but um, you know, it looks like it's kind of going to be full speed ahead. And the way that they in some ways failed, I think, to retool that receiving core, I, I think indicates that it's going to be business as usual for Lamar uh, on the ground. So you, you, there's always going to be questions you know, about what the passing production is going to look like, but uh, I'm willing to buy in uh, on the Baltimore Ravens this year. And, you know, for a team that finished in fourth place in the division last year, a little bit of an advantage schedule wise, you get some wild card games against the giants and the Jags. You have to feel pretty good about those and uh, kind of a weird schedule to open the year as well. Jeff, they, they play the entire AFC East, the first four weeks of the season. That's wild. That's yeah. very wild. Very weird. Um, yeah. I mean, facing the bills won't be a treat. Um, mm-hmm. Dolphins and Pats could be uh, troublesome and the jets are also in existence. Uh, so there's that Zach Wilson's having a terrible, they are, they are a football well. Yes, they are a football team. Um, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards are both coming back from injuries. And, and I know Dobbins has been a subject of debate. I took them and I got roasted for them. I think it was all kind of faux roasted, but still roasted a little bit by Allen for that as my first running back in a, the Vegas League where I waited on running backs. Uh, what, what's your verdict on Dobbins? I, I'm pro Dobbins, and I read over the weekend uh, that that Dobbins of the two, you know, Dobbins and Edwards are, are both on similar timetables, but Dobbins is the one who's looked better. He's progressing faster, uh, and that report indicated that Gus Edwards might not even be ready for the start of the regular season. So I, I think that makes you like Dobbins even more. All right, very good. Uh, anybody, any other sneaky Ravens that you're interested in? Duvernay, uh, any uh... – any of the younger wide receivers or the the seven other running backs they signed in case of injury? Yeah. I, I mean, Duvernay on, on paper, there's, there's some to like there. I mean, he's penciled in as the number two guy as of right now. He's, he's super shifty. He's fast. You know, he's a, a third round pick a couple of years ago. So there is some level of investment there, um, but didn't really show a ton of improvement last season uh, played in all 16 games. Not, not super exciting. Um, I mean, Tylen Wallace was somebody who was incredibly productive, at the college level, you know, had that huge, I think it was his sophomore year uh, at Oklahoma state and, and wasn't really able to replicate it after that, but mm-hmm. only had two catches last year. So it hasn't really put a lot on paper uh, that you could point to at this point. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and that's why I'm kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm lukewarm. And those, those will be like yeah. fab targets, if anything, uh, or maybe as we get in deep into the training camp and we hear bad news and we know Dobbins and Edwards aren't going to play the preseason either, which always makes it a little trickier for us yeah, there. Right. Before we move on to the Steelers, got a question from Ryan in the forum. He goes, 12th pick in a 12-man, 1QB redraft league, what would you do? Some of the options, Mixon, Chubb, Swift, Ad, uh, uh, Jones. I almost called him Adam Jones. That would have been awkward. Aaron Jones. Uh, Lamb, Kelsey, still available. Anything catches your eye in that group? I mean, you got to consider Kelsey, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think the Mixon versus Swift debate could be had. Um, yeah, I think Alan Soslowski, who was on the show today, would probably yep. tell you that Aaron Jones yes. is very much in that mix as well. Um, you know, it depends on settings in some ways. I, I don't know if you could really go wrong with any of those names. I mean, pick it 12. Uh, obviously, you know, in theory, you have another pick right after it to, to kind of add to that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, what, what were the first three names again? So I like mixing the best among this group. Mixon, Chubb, Swift, Jones, Lamb, Kelsey. I'd go... Mixon Jones or, you know, Mixon 
lamb probably would be my choice. Mm-hmm. I think is probably how I'd want to do that. Yeah. Maybe one of each little surf and turf, but um, you know, you're right. It's hard to go wrong. I would not take Chubb or Swift right. there. I think I would eliminate those two from my pool of choices. Yeah, I, I would keep Swift in consideration. I think he would be second to last on my list if you're ordering those guys, and then Chubb would be, especially if this is PPR or even yeah. half point, I, I think he's pretty firmly the last option there. Yeah, I think so too. All right, let's move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Never had a losing season under Mike Tomlin. Uh, found a way to get into the playoffs last year. Uh, nobody wanted them there, but they were there nonetheless. Um, and then they got blown out, and it was all a good story to tell. But, hey, good for them. Uh, new quarterback this year. We don't know which one it's going to be, though. Right now, the, the, the touted first-round pick, Kenny Pickett, and his tiny hands are practicing with the third team. Uh, I, who's going to end up being the quarterback there? I think it's pretty clearly going to be Trubisky to at least open the year, right? Yeah. I, I don't think there's there's a whole lot of doubt about that. It, it kind of felt like, you know, even right after the draft when they brought Pickett in, it, it's it all, all the, the kind of behind-the-scenes comments were that Trubisky was going to have a chance to grab this job out of camp. Now – you know, it is the Steelers and they have the infrastructure that, that always, you know, almost San Antonio Spurs, like in the NBA where you're, you're like, it's never going to be a complete disaster. You know, at right. the very least, they're always going to find a way to be respectable. So it, in some ways it's hard to imagine, you know, them turning it over to a rookie quarterback, especially one who's been really underwhelming so far uh, at some point this season. But, you know, if, if Cincinnati or, or Baltimore or Cleveland, you know, ends up kind of running away with this division and it looks like the season could get away from them early on, uh, you do have to be prepared for for them to at least give Kenny Pickett a chance at some point. But I, I think as of right now, it's it's very firmly looking like Mitch Trubisky is going to open this jo- open the season with this job, and it's probably going to be his to lose. You know, if he just plays competent football, you know, there's no obligation to get Kenny Pickett on the field in year one. It's it's not like he took him fifth overall. Um, you know, I, I think that's it's probably going to be a season of Mitch Trubisky, and it's probably going to be his last real chance. I would think to prove that that he could be a starter. Najee Harris, first rounder for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I like Najee Harris. And, you know, I, I know there's some workload concerns. I, I know there's mm-hmm. some productivity versus touches concerns based on last year. But, you know, as I've laid out a number of times on, on the XM show, I, I really think you can't, you know, overstate just how weird and strange that offense was under Ben Roethlisberger. You know, the way that they kind of had to force things through him, um, even though you're, you're getting a, a downgrade in terms of, peak talent from Roethlisberger to Trubisky. I, I just, I think having new blood in there and having the ability to, to just do some things that they were not able to do with big Ben's Matt, lack of mobility, lack of arm, lack of deep ball last season. Um, you know, even though Mr. Trubisky is not your, your number one option that you would want uh, taking over for Roethlisberger, I, I think in some ways it's going to be kind of a breath of fresh air for that offense. And I, I think it, it opens things up a little bit for Najee Harris, even if they're not quite as down to down reliant on him as they were last year. Yeah, for sure. Deontay Johnson is staging a hold-in right now. We saw DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel get paid over the weekend. Uh, There are no indications that Deontay is that close uh, to getting paid. Uh, And I hear a lot of the Pittsburgh market, oh, he can't get more than TJ Watt. Play different positions, but whatever. Uh, You know, it's just receivers are getting paid, but the Steelers are confident in their ability to draft his replacement instead. In fact, they think they did in Pickens and they might've done that there. They, they also have Claypool. They, you know, they have Fryermuth who's a little bit banged up right now. Uh, I, I guess Deontay is probably starting to fall a little bit in drafts. You said in your underdog draft that uh, you, you took Bateman over him, right? Yeah. He, Deontay fell to 55th 
in that draft. Uh, he went he went after guys like Bateman, Adam Thielen, uh, Marquise Brown, uh, Terry McLaurin. You know, then you're getting into some some players who it's not quite as controversial, but. Yeah, he's he's in that group with with Bateman, uh, Mooney, St. Brown, Cooper, Judy, those type of names. Um, I mean, over the last two years, I think he's fourth in the entire league in terms of total targets. So th- right. there's a lot to like about Deontay Johnson, but it it kind of feels like he's maybe overvaluing himself right now. You know, nobody seems to really be taking his holdout nearly as seriously as they were with with guys like Samuel um, and DK Metcalf, where you know those guys get paid and everybody's like, yeah, that makes sense and you know, it seems like Pittsburgh is just content to be like, all right, man, if you want to stay away for a while, we're not going to pay you. We don't think you're quite worth it. Right. Uh, and, you know, it's not the first time that Pittsburgh's held the line either. Right. I mean, they, they've done this before. Now, Deontay, it's interesting, too. He's not a beast of a guy. He's 5'10", 183. At least he was when he was drafted. He's probably a little bigger now. But, yeah, you know, Debo much. and DK, big dudes, strong dudes. They right. can take a hit and go on across them. Deontay's a different type of player. Uh, so uh, to me, that makes a little bit more sense. Um, and you know, he counts on these quick hitters, which may not be happening with Trubisky. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I think Pittsburgh has done a really good job of, of recognizing that. I, I think there's a price at which they would love to resign him, but they're not going to pay him the, the kind of money that he's looking for. They're not going to match a, a DK Metcalf like contract for Deontay Johnson, even though, you know, in terms of targets and catches, you know, it, it would be implied that he's, you know, close to that kind of value. But I, I think you worry about, the durability and beyond that, I mean, they've also kind of restocked the pond behind him, right? You know, yep. it's like you could maybe be comfortable letting Deontay Johnson walk at that price. If it means that, you know, you have to pay Chase Claypool down the road, you know, George Pickens has looked fantastic. So yes, far. He it sounds like he had a great weekend at Steelers camp. And I, I think if anything, George Pickens has probably benefited from Deontay Johnson, not being there. So in a, in a roundabout way, you know, Deontay Johnson may have driven down his long-term value by allowing someone like Pickens to shine in camp. And, and maybe you view that guy as a long-term replacement. Yeah. And by the way, you've talked me into Chase Claypool. Um, I already liked him, but my my rank on him is actually above this weekend's ADP on him where he was at, uh, you know, above his min pick. Even his min pick is 91. I've got him in like high 80s, I think. Average pick is 110 still. So I expect the longer this goes with Deontay, you're going to see Claypool rock it up. I mean, Pickens is obviously getting a lot of that smoke, too, right now. And that helps. Uh but Claypool is the guy I think is most likely to be the one they count on. I know he has some maturity issues, but man, that guy is shown to be dynamic at times. Deep balls, you know, he's that type of frame. He's the type of big player that, you know, you could see him doing a little bit of handoffs, getting that Debo type role. He also has a shoulder issue of his own right now. So that's that, for what it's worth, but six four two thirty eight, he's a big dude. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. And I think it was Liss on the XM show today made a great point too about just, you know, he's a guy who subsists on deep balls and it's not like Mitch Trubisky is the greatest deep ball throw in the world. But I, I think, I think, you know, the lack of, you know, big, basically big Ben losing it. We, we could say that for, for most of last season, I think that, you know, kind of, I'm trying to think of the right word. Um, not inadvertently. I don't know. Uh, disproportionately affected Chase Claypool. You know, I think yeah, it helps somebody 100%. like Deontay Johnson who does all of his work within five to seven yards, you know, and if you're Chase Claypool and you're, you're the type of guy who relies on a few of those deep shots per game, if those aren't there, I think it's really easy to fade away. So even though, again, you're not bringing in the greatest replacement in the world, but the fact that you're bringing in someone who's actually capable of throwing the ball further than 25 yards, um, I, I think that's going to be huge for him. So I'm, I'm all in on Claypool. I actually, I, I had to take a step back and intentionally pass on him uh, in that underdog today, just to diversify a little bit. I, yeah. I ended up taking Traylon Burks over him uh, at pick mm. 99. And he, no. he, 
he didn't make it back around to me. I was hoping he would make it back to me at 118. He went exactly at his ADP at 110. I, I know you might not like it, but I already have so many shares of Claypool. I, I wanted to back off. A little I just bit. don't like Burks instead of Claypool. That's the part I'm cringing over. I would, you know, yeah. if you had a different position or something. Yeah. But anyways, I don't, I think I'm not as, I'm, I know when you do tons of underdog, like you do, it makes sense to diversify and all that. Um, I, I don't play as in many best ball leagues as you do. I play in a lot of, you know, managed teams, but if I yeah. like a guy, I like a guy. I'm not going to diversify it, especially, I guess, I mean, especially because I don't think like that's like end game. That's still a guy that you're, I think he's, you're going to end up starting Claypool a lot. Uh, but so I, I would not steer away from him. That's all. But you know what? Might work. Might work for you. Burks has got a lot of talent. Right. Well, I mean, prior to that too, I had already taken Tyree Kill. I got Juju, who's been one of my guys as well. Mm-hmm. I got Bateman and I have Renfro. So, you know, the hope is that I, I'm not relying too much on that spot, whether it's Claypool or Traylon Burks, but, you know, you never know. Uh, but, but before we finish up on the Steelers, over under seven wins. I was uh, just going to ask that to you. It's shaded towards the over uh, ever mm-hmm. so slightly, minus 125. You know, there's not a, every other team that we've looked at so far, you could circle three or four games and say, like, yeah, I feel pretty good about that one. You know, the Steelers do get the Jets at home in week four. You, you feel pretty good about that. They're at Atlanta in week 13. And they're at Carolina in week 15. Other than that, I mean, you can make a case to that, that they'll be uh, underdogs and in some cases significant underdogs in every other game. Yeah, it's so weird uh, looking at this here. I mean, we saw like last year they killed people in Survivor with that uh, tie against the Lions. I mean, right. it's like, yeah, I mean, it's they should have the last place schedule when they don't. They have the second place schedule. Uh, so it, I can see why the under, I, when I saw that, you know, I saw them as a seven, like, wow, that just seems low. And then you look at the details a little bit more. And it's like, well, who's their quarterback this year? Their offensive line isn't a top offensive line. It's probably better than last year, but last year was terrible. You right. know, where are they? Where is this team at? You know that I think I'm going to count on Tomlin. I would bet the over if I were going to bet it, uh, yep. but I'm probably just going to stay away. Yeah. I, I mean, if it was even six and a half, I'd feel a little bit better. You know, you, you'd think they'll, they'll probably find a way to get at least two wins in division, maybe three, uh, but tough break, you know, like you said, getting that, you know, getting that second place schedule uh, because, you know, the, the, the wild, you know, non-division rotation games are two of the three are on the road. You're at Philly at Indianapolis, and then you get the Raiders uh, in week 16 at home. So none of those are, are gimmies by any means. And I, I think there'll be dogs in each. Yeah. Well, we'll see about that. I mean, lots, lots can change. I mean, who knows if Matt Ryan has anything left in the tank, you know, the Raiders, I mean, yeah, yeah, we could see about them too. Um, That's a home game for Pittsburgh and, you know, and now the Raiders are a dome team, keep in mind too. So Heinz field in December doesn't sound like a a great formula for them, but who knows? Maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that. Before we move on to the AFC West and we'll talk about said Raiders. Let's talk a little fan tracks first. Is there something you wish your fantasy league had or features that are missing from your current leagues, bonus scoring, custom schedules or playoffs, deeper team settings? Well, look no further, because we have you covered with our friends at Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Join MLB All-Star Jock Peterson, who recently announced he's moving his fantasy football leagues to Fantrax. Fantrax is excited to announce the Fantrax Game Day Experience Giveaway. Fantrax will be sending one lucky fantasy football league to a regular season NFL game of their choice, along with $6,000 towards travel and accommodations. All you have to do is enter the giveaway. Uh, to, to enter the giveaway is create or join a league on Fantrax. The more leagues you create and join, the more chances you have to win. 
There's a reason why fantasy players who try Fantrax make it the permanent home for all their fantasy leagues. Go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. All right, we're talking AFC West now. Let's talk Chiefs. They should, you know, by all, you know, if, if you looked at you know, the first 28 minutes of the game last year, they should have coasted into the Super Bowl uh, following a dramatic win against the uh, Bills in week two of the playoffs. They had the Bengals down for the count. They could have put them away. They didn't. They had, ran a crazy, stupid play right before halftime when they're up 21 to 10. Um, they didn't even get a field goal out of it there. Got no points out of it there. The Bengals rallied, beat them in overtime. Uh, second time they lost to the Bengals, by the way, that year. So no fluke at all. It's uh, they, they, they totally deserved a little bit. No, it was a weird year for the Chiefs. Uh, they had a long stretch in season. It, we were doing a lot of what's wrong with the Chiefs think pieces. Uh, was there something wrong with the Chiefs? They just failed to adapt to the too deep shell defense that a lot of teams threw at them. What's going on with the Chiefs now that they don't have Tyreek Hill? So many questions with the Chiefs this year. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to remember at, at this point because they turned it on, you know, late in the season and, and certainly in the playoffs. But this is a team that was three and four at one point. Yep. You know, they, they they had that really weird game uh, against Tennessee where they only put up three it's points. They lost 27 to three. Yeah. Um, you know, they, I thought they got lucky. You know, they played the Packers. Uh, that was the Jordan Love game. That you know, that one was what I think thirteen to seven. Like the Chiefs' offense was still extremely broken in that mm-hmm. game. I think if Rodgers plays, they probably lose that, and, and we're even in even more of a panic. But after that, you know, they put up forty-one on the Raiders in Week Ten, and, and it felt like that was you know the, the the real opportunity for the momentum to swing because you beat the Cowboys the week after, you get the bye, and then they're off and running. You know, you put up forty again on the Raiders a few weeks after that, uh, and, and it felt like from then on they they started to look like the Kansas city chiefs again, but at the same time, you know, the, the one thing that I think has befallen them the last two seasons now, since winning the super bowl is just, you know, you mentioned it on that, that one play before the half against Cincinnati, like almost getting in their own way, you know, yep. kind of finding, you know, trying to, trying to do like these unnecessary offensive innovations that on paper sound really great. And, and you know, when executed correctly, they look really cool. I saw a video yesterday of Mahomes working on a, like an option type of play where he flips it behind his back. And I'm like, yeah, that'd be really cool to see in game. But is, is it really any more effective than just flipping it, you know, with your left hand like any other quarterback would do? Um, so, yeah, you know, I'd rather you like work on getting me Cole Hardman to work or, you know, break, you know, breaking these receivers instead of that. But, yeah, please right. keep doing that. It's kind of like the Jaguars in that Thursday night game against the Bengals. Right. Oh, sorry. Is that too uh, soon? I'm sorry. I couldn't do that. Uh, too that late. was that was I, I've told you this before, but that was the game that I knew things were completely off the rails because yep. they they vastly outplayed Cincinnati that entire yes, first half and then just shut it down uh, all of the second half. But I mean, maybe that was the turning point for Cincinnati. Conversely, but it was. Um, is, is there any? It's way too early for this. I'll get I'll get out in front of that right away. It's only been two years since they won the Super Bowl and they got back the next year, so they've already done better than this example I'm going to bring up, but. You know, any early indications of the same thing people were saying about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in 2011? No, in terms of like, oh, yeah, we expect him to get many more times and doesn't. Yeah, in terms yeah. of are they going to win three of the next five, that type of thing? Are you talking Chiefs or are you talking Bengals here? I'm talking Chiefs. I'm okay. talking Chiefs. But maybe Easy, Jeff. Easy. Yeah. Well, this here's the deal. They're now paying him his second contract and, and right. him being Patrick Mahomes. They've had to make hard choices. They traded away Tyreek Hill because of that. They didn't want to pay him that going rate for an elite wide receiver. They have Kelsey already, but Kelsey's young, older than you think. Uh, but tight end, elite tight ends also age well, too. Look at Tony Gonzalez as a perfect example of that. Um, so it's six and one half dozen another. But, 
I mean, this is a critical spot for them. They, Orlando Brown, we didn't talk about this during the XM show today. Good news for them. Orlando Brown ended his uh, holdout. He, he signed his franchise. He's going to play under the franchise tag. Big part of that offensive line. Uh, but they've had to make these tough choices, and they're going to have to keep making them. Uh, they're going to have to make other tough ones later down the line. They really need what, like Sky Moore or Hardman to really step up along with Juju. And I like Juju, too, uh, because I, I don't know if the running backs are going to do it. I, I think it's it's got to be through the air. Yeah, and I, I think that's how they prefer it, too. I mean, they've set up this roster uh, mm-hmm. really to accomplish that. But you're right about Kelsey. I mean, there was – you know. You, people were panicking about what the chiefs look like midway through the year, but there were definitely times last year where we were starting to wonder about Travis Kelsey as well. You know, even in games where they were winning, he just didn't look quite as effective. And then of course, like the final three games of the year, um, you know, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, and, and Cincinnati, the two, the, the playoff games, he looked like himself. I mean, some yeah. of those plays he had late in that Buffalo game did not look like a player who's in any way washed up, but on the same token, he turns what 33 in October. Yeah. I got to tell you, by the way, that the, the pills were just nuts on that. I mean, just with the whole like leaving the middle of the field open when the Chiefs still had timeouts thing left over. Yep. It's just insane. But yep. uh, anyways, too soon for Buffalo. I'm just ripping up the band-aids off of everything here today. But uh, we did that last week with the, the haunting plays thing. And you just realize there's a never ending string of haunting plays for almost every franchise. Yeah. I mean, really I mean Buffalo had three in that game alone, probably. Yeah, in the last, absolutely. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think that. Uh, yeah, I, I think that he'll they'll be back at some point. I mean, it's the AFC is just freaking loaded right now, though. That's the thing. All these great quarterbacks in the same conference. Uh, it does make it harder because you know I think there it's hard to get there without an elite quarterback or at least a very good quarterback. And there's so many of them in the AFC, even in their own division. You know, you got. Mahomes, Wilson, uh, and 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 of course, uh, God, I'm so I'm blanking out right now. Um, Herbert, Herbert, yes, thank you. God, don't get old, dude. Don't get old. It's it sucks. <laughs> I don't put Carr in that greens. I was I was just trying to find a way not to not put Carr in that group, but Carr's good. He's in, he's in the hold of very good. But uh, you know, it's just imagine not having a franchise quarterback right now in this conference. It's not a place to live. Uh, no, I mean, really the, the conference or, or just a division, like you said, I mean, it's, it's insane. And the chiefs are slight favorites to win this division. They're plus plus one seventy five. chargers are, are right behind at two twenty. Broncos are right behind them at two sixty, And then a little bit of a drop off to the Raiders uh, at plus six fifty. But is it, is it hyperbole to you? You know, this, this notion that this is the most competitive division uh, possibly ever, or at least in recent memory. I'd say hyperbole. I think it's, we'll see. I mean, the thing is, Teams change so rapidly. One of those four teams is going to be way worse than you think. Yeah. Um, that that's just. I mean, it's. It, maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, look how quickly the narrative changed in the NFC East. The NFC East used to be that brutally tough division. Yeah, every year the NFC, you know, NFC East is where they're really tough and all that. Now it's a joke of a, of a division. Um, if you look at uh, like sketch strength of schedule analysis, which is kind of a sketchy enterprise to begin with. Um, but often all the NFC East teams are like, have the easiest schedule. Why? Cause they're playing each other. Exactly. Um, but you know, it, it's just, it changes rapidly. I think the, I think the NFC West is just as good as the AFC West. I, I think Seattle is a weak link, but the top three teams in the NFC West are so strong too. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's, it is a very strong division. Probably it is probably top to bottom one through four, the strongest, cause there is no super weak link. Uh, where there is no Seattle, there is no other team right. Jets. There's no, you know, but Steelers and Raiders. We talked about that earlier. That could be a very even game. 
uh, on a neutral field. So uh, I don't know. Um, let's any uh, other chief issues. So of the non Juju wide receivers, whether it's Sky Moore, whether it's Hardman, whether it's anybody else, uh, whether it's MVS, are you drafting any of those guys? You know, I've, I've been getting a ton of Juju. So beyond that, I, I haven't been doing significant targeting for this receiving core. Although worth noting over the weekend, I, I read that, you know, MVS is the guy of those three, Hardman, MVS, and Sky Moore, who stood out the most thus far in camp and, and who seems to have the best connection uh, with Patrick Mahomes, who more than any quarterback loves chucking it downfield. And, and that's exactly what MVS does. And mm-hmm. you know, it seems like he was always banged up in Green Bay. And he was one of those guys that, you know, week to week could, could go, you know, an entire game without a catch, or he could have two for 140 yards and a touchdown, you know, and it, it felt very much hit or miss. I, I think fantasy wise, that's the number one thing uh, with MVS that he's going to have to remedy or, or prove that he can remedy is just not being this like once every three weeks, uh, boomer bust type of guy. Uh, but he's going to have a chance to do it. I mean, he's going to be potentially the number two guy uh, for who I think is the best quarterback in the NFL. So I, I think I'm going to have to start uh, doing some light investing uh, in MVS late in these underdog drafts. Uh, okay. I also read over the weekend that uh, Isaiah Pacheco, who I had never heard of prior to reading this. University uh, of Cincinnati, right? Uh, that is uh, Rutgers. Excuse me. Rutgers. Rutgers. So Rutgers. seventh rounder. Oh, sorry. In, I failed. In 2022. Yeah, I gotta be honest. Didn't watch a ton of Rutgers if they're not playing Wisconsin. Uh, but I mean, it was it was noted in, in a Camp Notes article I was I was reading that he's been really impressive. He's been really physical, and he was getting number two snaps uh, over the weekend behind Clyde Edwards-Helaire. So is this another team that Rojo was is just going to tease us with and all that? I mean, you look at their their backs: Ceh, Rojo, McKinnon, Pacheco. Uh, Pacheco's free. You can get him in the last round of almost any draft if you want to yep. get him. Uh, in fact, over 22 drafts over the weekend, he got drafted in 13 of them, uh, with a range of 191 to 347, but you have to pay a decent premium for CH, not, not too high, but he's the first of those backs to go, but average pick is 80. I mean, this is a far cry from where he usually goes. That's like seventh round. Uh, are you paying a seventh round price for Clyde Edwards Alaire? Uh, not normally. No. I mean, in, unless I'm really in a situation where I feel like I, I need to add another running back. No, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I haven't been impressed. You know, we talked about it, uh, I think on the show last week where he just, he just doesn't have that same kind of burst that it looked like he had at LSU. He was so good at just stopping out of dime, changing directions, um, you know, accelerating, decelerating and, you know, part of it's due to injury, but he just against NFL defenders, it just hasn't looked the same to me. So I, I haven't been super impressed and, um, you know, maybe at some point it'll click, but you know, we're seeing so many running backs, you know, hit the ground running. If, if you're, if you're not showing it in your first and second year, it's pretty rare to develop, you know, that kind of burst out of nowhere right. all of a sudden in year three or four. So, you know, I wouldn't say he's on my do not draft list, but I'm, I'm certainly not targeting him. Okay. It's more just, you got to get, you got to get the massive discount there. Um, yeah. All right. We're running long, so let's jump into uh, the next uh, team of the Raiders. But for that, uh, before that, real quick, do you love fantasy sports? Are you ready for a new challenge this year? Dynasty Owner is the new way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding the strategy of running an actual franchise. Dynasty Owner provides a unique and challenging experience that will test your skills as an owner and general manager. You, have, you will have complete control over your team's future. You can build through the draft, make trades, sign free agents, and manage your team's salary cap. Can you create a dynasty of champions? Sign up now at dynastyowner.com and use promo code ROTO5. That's R-O-T-O-5 
to receive $5 off any new team. You know, the chief, we're talking about managing salary cap. And I think Dynasty Owner has a, a tougher, a more stringent method than uh, the NFL does. But let's talk Las Vegas Raiders, who uh, are making everything fit to go get Devontae Adams. That was the big news coming out of the Raiders uh, this offseason. And one of the biggest, you know, is this this year where all these top receivers are getting dealt. Adams, we talked about him before. Still a first-rounder, but a little later. Uh, he's not in that top three anymore. He's now the fourth receiver often drafted. Yeah, a really unique situation, you know, of a player switching teams at, at the peak of his powers, seemingly, um, yeah. and then reuniting with his college quarterback. So there's this kind of built-in relationship that that both Derek Carr and Devontae Adams have not been shy about highlighting. And I, I think that's smoothed over, you know, a, a lot of the, the doubts um, that, that come with any player switching teams and switching quarterbacks, especially one who is in such a unique situation in Green Bay as the go-to guy of all go-to guys. Yeah. Or the two-time defending MVP, right? So, I mean, it's it, there's still kind of this lingering belief, I think, that Devontae Adams can is, is in no way going to be able to match the 123 catches, you know, almost 1,600 yards. Although he did see his touchdown share uh, go down quite a bit from 18 to 11 last year uh, relative to 2020. So, yeah, I don't think it's inconceivable that he could even top 11 touchdowns. But uh, it's not like the Raiders have this, like, loaded receiving core. But you have another high-target guy in Hunter Renfro. You have a really good tight end in Darren Waller. You know, the Packers never really had uh, any great tight ends while Devontae Adams was there. So, um, you know, I, I think the belief is that Devontae Adams is still going to be elite, but he's just not going to be able to match the the force feeding that was going on in Green Bay. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. Um, I think that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I did end up with him in one draft, like early second round. Uh, um, I paired him with Mixon, I think. Uh, to start one draft, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that as a start. I think I'd prefer yep. Diggs over Adams at this point, but it's close. I think so too. Yeah, I, I mean, I just like Josh Allen and that Bills offense a lot more. I like mm-hmm. the schedule that the Bills are facing a lot more. Um, and I mean, it, is there is there really any doubt to you at all that that uh, you know Devontae Adams was you know, I, I guess you know made by Aaron Rodgers in any way? Um, I, I, you know, I, I think he proved over the last two years, especially. That right. he, you know, he's a Hall of Fame talent in his own right, but you know, nobody places the ball, you know, where where receivers like it the way that Aaron Rodgers does, you know, especially right. guys that he's developed that rapport with. So I don't, I don't like people are, who are skeptical of Devontae Adams or, or you know, like you said, taking someone like Diggs over him. Um, you know, you can make a case for like you know C.D. Lamb or Mike Evans if you really want. You don't see that very often, but they're all in that same range. I wouldn't fault anybody for thinking that. You know, I mean, it, it is even though he's reuniting with his college quarterback, they haven't played together in what nine years. So, you know, it's not there's going to be some sort of bumps in the road here. Right. And, you know, is Carr that type of quarterback that can just fill it up? Is, you know, the Raiders, are they going to have an offense that's like that? Now, new head coach there, too, mm-hmm. you know, and got a totally perhaps a different offense. Looks like there might be more of a committee at wide at running back. Uh, I'm saying all the way away from Josh Jacobs. He's he's a fade for me. Uh, I keep seeing him at the top, like. Every time I out like in the Vegas draft, I was using my rankings and I said, well, he's the top guy, but I don't want to draft him. Remind me to move him down next time because you, you battle test your rankings. I don't want him. I just don't want him. Yeah. He's in the the CEH zone for me where it's like, yeah, I, I guess if I, if I really need like a third running back, I'll, I'll tack him onto the roster and I won't feel terrible about it. But I mean, he went ahead of AJ Dillon in my draft today. Like I, to me, that's crazy. I, I would, I would never do that. Yeah. That's well, they, Hey, thank when you speak of that person, speak well. You know, he just he yeah, gave right. you a little bit of a gift. Um, I take Miles Sanders over him. Uh, yeah. and I and I know there's lots of frustration involved with Miles Sanders, but I 
I know he can run still. I know the Eagles can run. I'm not sure the Raiders are a good run blocking team. I'm not sure that uh, Jacobs is going to be the main guy. I, he'll be the main guy, but I don't think he'll be a full on guy. I mean, they got, yeah. I know Zamir White's been hurt. Um, and that it's, they don't expect a, le- a lengthy absence due to his undisclosed injury. A lot of that going on. Uh, you know, right now, Darren Waller sitting out undisclosed reasons from practice, didn't practice today or Sunday. Uh, there's a little bit of that. It's training camp times tough to get good information. Sometimes teams will hold it so cl- tight to the vest that you won't find out until like there's actual injury reports. And that's always tricky and frustrating. Mm-hmm. So, so 8.5 wins is a number for the Raiders, uh, shaded towards the over. Interestingly enough, minus 120, you could go uh, plus 100 for under eight and a half. Um, you know, where do you come in on that? Obviously, you're getting six games uh, against the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Chiefs. I'm going under. Um, this is, I, I think, I'll do an, uh, uh, I'll go one step farther. We were talking Steelers earlier. I think the Steelers win more games than the Raiders. Mm. If you can do a head to head bet of some sort, I would do that. I'm sure there's a, pl- a place where you can do that. But, um, I know that given week, I definitely could do that, but I'm, I'm taking the under and I, I'm not a hater. I just, I, I think that I see some flaws and it starts with that offensive line. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that defense is that great either. Right. Well, the saving grace for the Raiders is they do get the AFC South. So that means matchups against the Texans and the Jaguars. Uh, but they actually do play the Steelers week 16. So maybe, maybe that bet will come down uh, Christmas Eve. That's a, a night game Saturday night at Pittsburgh. Uh, but the rest of the schedule is not very forgiving. I mean, they, they get the NFC West as the mm-hmm. other in division matchup. I mean, that is yuck. That is tough. I mean, there's not a there's not a single really easy game after the Jaguars Week Nine. I mean, they finish up Colts, Broncos at Seahawks, Chargers, Rams, Pats, Steelers, 49ers, Chiefs. That that is a brutal gauntlet to end. The Finishing year. like that too. I mean, that's yep. the thing. I mean, maybe they can hope that the Chiefs have won the division already, so that they aren't playing their starters. Because otherwise, the Chiefs just own the Raiders just absolutely just yep. own them uh so yeah was, uh, that's uh, that's a tough spot for them yep. um let's move on let's talk uh let's talk a little chargers next but before that are you ready to take your fantasy football skills to the next level daily fantasy uh, is, is the latest and greatest way to play fantasy football you can enter tournaments for a one week or even just one game it's an awesome way to apply your fantasy skills to make some money but do you know whether 50 50 contests or guaranteed prize pool tournaments are for you or the difference between fading and stacking? Worry not. The new edition of Fancy Football for Dummies has you covered. Inside this book, you'll find not just basic information and strategies for the standard fantasy football play, but a whole section devoted to the hottest new fantasy action on the market. Whether you want to play through DraftKings, FanDuel, or any other uh, any number of other services, this book will help you get started with your bankroll and offer advice and insight into the different contest types drafting strategies for all the major tournaments, as well as tactics to take your daily fantasy game to the next level. Whether you're looking for a little excitement or a chance at winning money, daily fantasy football is the perfect game for you. And the second edition of Fantasy Football for Dummies is the book to help you win big. All right, big thanks to them, Fantasy Football for Dummies, for advertising with us. Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. We're finishing up our AFC West preview. Let's hit the Chargers. One hundred two. Uh, uh, you know, the thing about the Chargers, Nick, is... They're the trendy team. Everybody loves the Chargers, seemingly. Uh, that's not a you know a fan of the team in that division. But from a fantasy standpoint, from a watchability standpoint, this is team fun. They don't punt. They go for it on fourth down. They go for t- two point conversions, set of extra points. You know, kicking is for wimps. You know that they, they have a great social media department. They roll out the, the schedule unveil. I watched that video maybe fifteen times. That anime 
No, that's not true. I watched it like 40 times. Um, it, it was fantastic. Uh, Justin Herbert is everybody loves. Everybody loves Mike Williams, it seemingly. Everyone loves Austin Eckler. What's not to love with the Chargers, except they didn't make the playoffs? Well, you said it. That, that's what's not to love is, has there ever been more hype for a team that did not even make the playoffs last year and mm-hmm. you know came up short woefully in, in that Raiders game uh, in week 18 and took a terrible loss to the Houston Texans yes. two weeks earlier that, that set all this in motion. I mean, I, I want to buy in as much as anybody. I mean, they, they have it all. Like, great young quarterback, great uniforms, cool receiving core, super cool safety in Derwin James. Like They check all the boxes for a team that Nick Whalen would love to root for. But they didn't make the playoffs last year. The division's going to be even more difficult. I'm not saying they can't do it this year, but in the NFL, like I feel like you typically don't see this much hype for a team that hasn't really proven anything yet. Usually, yep. it's a you got to put something down on paper first, and they haven't really done that. You know, I mean, the offense, the offense last year was what fifth in points, fourth in total yards. Uh, the passing game was fantastic, but major, major issues stopping the run, especially. I mean, they were 29th in points allowed. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, kind of amazing that they were even in it with the defense being that bad. But I, I, are you confident that they can they could shore up some of those issues on defense? Derwin James is holding out right now. I mean, yeah, I think he's going to get his deal, but he is. He, yeah, he's a great player. He gets hurt all the time, though. That's the one yep. thing. They did go out and sign J.C. Jackson. That's the big one to me that addressed some of their woes. If they get J- Derwin James back, yeah, I, I feel a lot better about that. They added Khalil Mack. Um, they did that. By the way, I, I, I misspoke because – Everybody not in Los Angeles loves the Chargers. Nobody in LA here wants them here. That's the funny thing. Now, some of that's because the Rams are already here. The Chargers is kind of this, you know, token add-on. You know, right. like you know, nobody loves the Spanos family. I mean, it, not even the Spanos family likes the Spanos family. I think, but uh, it just they're from an ownership perspective, they're so unlovable. But but man, it's such a contrast. I mean, I love Herbert. I love watching him play. I think he's amazing. That game against the Raiders where they, I mean, they didn't win, but Herbert's uh, comeback there was just heroic. I mean, that, that was just, it was fantastic to watch. Uh, but yeah, they just couldn't stop. They couldn't stop anybody. Joey Bosa is awesome when he's healthy, but when he's healthy is a critical component of that too. Uh, they got a lot of that going on. I think their offense is just going to be just tickets to the carnival. Um, but I, I just, the defense is definitely the question mark for me. Yeah, I, I think they did what they could to shore up that defense, and it, it should be better. I mean, it, it's funny that it, it transcends coaches, quarterbacks, eras, but, like, the Chargers are just, no matter what, they're going to be involved in these weird, you know, sometimes yep. high-scoring yep. games. It's their DNA. Behind. Yeah, right. They, they have not been able to shake that, despite, uh, you know, finally having a, you know, a, a successor, I guess, to Phillip Rivers in Justin Herbert. But, yeah, I mean, in some ways, I guess they do benefit, you know, from not making the playoffs last year in terms of looking at this year's schedule – uh, they get wild card games. You know, it's a third place schedule against Miami uh, and Atlanta. You know, the Miami game could go either way. Atlanta, you feel pretty good about, even though that one is on the road. But you know, like the rest of the AFC West, you do get the NFC West as an out of division rotation. Uh, you get the AFC South though. So again, uh, you know, matchups against the Jags and the Texans are. There's a lot to like yeah. there. But um, it's just going to be such a war in this division that I, I don't even know if we're going to know the true potential of this team because I, I think there's a pretty good chance that Kansas City the Chargers and, and Denver, especially, and, and Vegas to a lesser degree, those teams are just beating each other up week after week. Yeah, that's true. It's absolutely true. So to that end, uh, Chargers, I'm looking for their, here they are. Over under is 10. 10 wins. Minus 135 on the over, for that matter, too. I mean, they're they're, they're begging us to take the under. Begging us. I know. I know. And 
I, I think they can get there, right? I mean, everything we just said about them implies that we think they're going to win like 13 or 14 games, but uh, I, I think they can get there. Like, let's say they even split in division. You know, there's three wins there. You know, you beat the Jags, you beat the Texans, that's five. Uh, you could probably beat Seattle, that's six all of a sudden. And then, you know, those, those games, you know, th- those six wins could all come in their first seven games. You know, they, they, mm-hmm. a lot of their, their schedule is, is much like uh, the Raiders is kind of front-loaded with the easy games. And then, you know, you kind of have to just kind of coast your way and, and make sure you don't have a major slip up like that Texans game last year. But yeah. after Atlanta in week nine, like the Raiders, it's a really tough finish. 49ers, Chiefs, Cardinals, that'll be with DeAndre Hopkins back in the lineup. Raiders, Dolphins, Titans, Colts, Rams, Broncos. I mean, that that Chargers-Broncos game week 18, man, That I mean, I hope that has playoff implications. That, yeah. that could be one where, it's, you know, winner gets in, loser doesn't make it. At least we don't have any history of uh, the Chargers spitting the bit down the stretch or anything. So we yeah, got those right. seven I, I wins. I think if you're the Broncos, you would, you yeah. would absolutely welcome that situation. Yeah, yeah exactly there. Um, Austin Eckler says he wants to get fewer carries this year. Uh, yeah. is that, does that dissuade you from taking him in the first round? How far does he mm. does, does he drop with that, knowing that? It doesn't dissuade me from taking him in the first round. Uh, you know, it, it, it probably knocks him out of that conversation that we were talking about earlier, where it's like, you know, who do you take number two, number three overall? Uh, like, it, it, to me, it makes that decision easier to take any of Jefferson, Cup, or Chase over him. Okay. Um, but, you know, I'd, I'd still happily take him in the 7 to 12 range, you know, preferably uh, on the latter portion of that. But more often than not, you know, he's still going to go right in the middle of the first round. Brass tax, Najee Harris or Austin Eckler? Ooh. Eckler's in the better situation, but I, I would take Harris if I had the choice. Austin Eckler or Joe Mixon? Mm. I'm sorry to do this, but Eckler by a hair. No, don't be sorry. I would do it too. Uh, yeah. It's more than a hair for me. Uh, I would easily do it because um, I just think there's, the, especially in a PPR league. Okay, if it's in a half point or a standard league, then we'll have that conversation. But for me, it's I'm, I'm not even blinking on that one there. Uh, I'm not worried at all about those comments. And I know there's some Isaiah Spiller with the first team reports coming out here and there. That's fine. That's good. Gonna be I, the guy. It's, it's going to keep him healthier. I think the bang for the buck is going to be there. I would take Eckler over Derrick Henry. Depends on the league format. I, I think in general, it would, oh man, it would really, that would be so tough. Cause I, I, I got to put my money where my mouth is. With yeah, Kendrick. I know you. you know, I, I I really think he's got at least one more, you know, monster workhorse year in him. And well, I think you, I think you're totally spot on. You know, about Eckler's comments not being that big of a deal. And if anything, it maybe results in more efficiency. Um, and we saw we saw Najee Harris say similar things too, and Debo Samuel, right? So it's not like yeah. he's on an island with this. But I think it's still just not super encouraging, right? Like, wouldn't you rather be like, yes, give me the ball as much as possible? Yeah, I would. By the way, I'm also not paying the, the going rate for Keenan Allen. Um, I am going to go. Uh, well, first of all, Mike Williams, I don't think there's a full rounds difference between uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Uh, I, I might think Williams is getting pushed up in a couple of cases. I think Keenan Allen's definitely I take T Higgins over him every time. I think I take AJ. I know I take AJ Brown over Keenan Allen every time I might be. That's my the spot where I reach for ETN or Pitts. Uh, too. I, I just don't feel comfortable taking Keenan Allen at the beginning of the second round there. I mean, beginning of the third round, end of the second. I mean, the production has been there every year. He's just, for some reason, I, I just get like less excitement from drafting yeah. Keenan Allen. And like, I feel the total opposite about Mike Williams. Like he, maybe it's just like the, you know, insane downfield catches that it seems like he's making every other game, but um, it feels like Mike Williams is on the up and, and Keenan Allen, you know, what is he, he's 30 this year, I think. Right. I mean, at, at this mm-hmm. point for a receiver, it's not, 
you know, there, there's not a whole lot of room to improve, you know, at best you're hoping he sustains. Right. And I, I think just how productive this offense projects to be and, and having Justin Herbert, it, it's actually funny to hear the receivers talk about Herbert, you know, like he's a, a gift from God for them, but <laughs> at some point the Keenan Allen's going to fall off. Right. So yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm on board with the argument that you're not paying up for him. You know, he's another one of those guys that if he's there, sure, I'll take him. But, you know, you're not looking at this as like a breakout year for Keenan Allen at age 30. And, you know, I, I think there's starting to be, there's starting to be some Josh Palmer momentum here. Yes, too. there is. Yes, at the end is. of the day, at the end of the day, it's not like Josh Palmer is going to usurp Keenan Allen and all of a sudden he's the better player, but I don't know. I mean, it, Keenan Allen at that age, maybe you want to reduce his snaps a little bit. You have somebody in Palmer who you feel really good about. Um, I know ESPN over the weekend, you know, put out an article that they do every year. I think they've been doing it for like over a decade now, just trying to identify unheralded breakout players. And there's the whole list of criteria of like, you have to have played fewer than X number of snaps. You have to be drafted third round or later. Number one on the list was Josh Palmer. You know, there's a, nice. there's a statistical case that, that this guy has kind of been laying in the weeds after a, um, you know, a rookie season that showed some flashes, had four touchdowns, but um, you know, a lot of that production kind of came toward the end of the year and, and, and some, some weird situations where I think Mike Williams missed a game or two. You just lost a round or two worth of value just by uh, when, when ESPN mentions a, a player like that. I mean, it's just yeah, right. seriously, it's going to change things. I mean, at least it's they said it, they posted it in July and not in uh, or, or August 1st uh, and, yeah. and and not like Labor Day weekend. And then you could see it like, go crazy there. Yeah, exactly. um, let's, let's move on. We got one more team. We got the Broncos uh, still left. OK, so they've said they're going to let uh, Russ cook. Now, the question is, is he still the chef that he's always been? um is he you know it seems like he's got pretty good ingredients are they as good as uh Lockett and 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 of course DK uh how do you feel about this whole situation for Russell Wilson and the rest of this offense I I really like it and to be honest I've been I've been surprised how much kind of blowback there's been or at least maybe skepticism uh when it comes to Russell Wilson like I think this is going to be a a massive success and I think with how with how good the rest of the division is, I, I don't know that that I'm not saying it like translates to Matthew Stafford going to the Super Bowl immediately after switching teams, but I, I am very much of the belief that Russell Wilson has more left in the tank. I think he got really frustrated, uh, you know, justified or not. You, you could be on the other side of this with with how things ended in Seattle with the lack of control, with just the way that they operated as an offense. Yeah. And I, I think he needed to get out. And I, I think he landed in a really, really good situation. Um, you know, overall, I think the receiving core here is deeper. I, I don't know that. I, I think, I think at their best, I would take Metcalf and Lockett over Sutton and Judy in terms of top end potential, but Seattle had very little beyond those two. And, you know, I, I like Tim Patrick as a third guy. I think he's a little overqualified for that. You know, KJ Hamler, if he stays healthy, maybe he gives them something. Yeah. Uh, you know, the tight end position, a, a little bit unsettled, but you know, that was kind of the case in Seattle as well. You have two backs that you like uh, the defense should be good. I mean, I, I think everything is set up really, really well here. So that, that's kind of one of the things that I'm, I'm willing to uh, really plant my flag on this year is that, you know, Russ is going to have a rejuvenated season in Denver. Yeah, I could see it. Um, yeah, it, it's it's definitely going to put to the test of like, okay, Denver had this great roster is just being held back by Drew Locke. Uh, we'll see. Um, Cause they, they definitely, I mean, they trade away fan, but uh, other than that, you know, they're loaded. I mean, they got two, two running backs. We're going to get frustrated by Melvin Gordon again. Uh, unless you're a Badger fan, and then you're like, yeah, I'm proud of Melvin Gordon, not frustrated. I'm just, I'm just glad he's still in the league, yeah. yeah. I mean, can't say the same for Monty Ball. 
Yeah, and Melvin Gordon's not that old. I mean, and he was good last year too, by the way. Um, that's the other thing that's so – I think it's fun, so hilarious. I do love Javante Williams. I think he's a better back than Gordon at this point in time in their careers, but Gordon's not going to go away. No, no, not at all. I, I think he's – you know, I, I mentioned Kareem Hunt earlier in the pod as one of the best backup running backs in the league. Melvin Gordon, absolutely in that conversation. And yeah. you, know, you could you could kind of tell by his comments even last year. I think he was – I think he was like confused by the Javante Williams pick and, you know, just the assumption that, well, I guess Melvin Gordon's like, he's just done here because they drafted another running back. And I think he's looking and saying like, look, I almost had a thousand yards in 2020. Um, right. You know, he, he last year and in, in kind of part-time duty with Javante Williams still found ways to be productive, still had eight touchdowns, still had 28 catches. Um, you know, it, if it does feel like a situation where by virtue of spending that draft capital on Javante Williams, there's, there's this organizational, obligation to make him the guy and I, I think they will do that but that doesn't mean Melvin Gordon disappears so yeah right. I think this is one of those rare situations where um you know you, you have a where where is uh Javante Williams going in this draft I'm trying to find him on my list here um he went he went 23rd overall and you know you still you feel pretty comfortable taking that guy in round two even while you have a, a backup who almost ran for a thousand yards last year so it's, yeah it's a very and, unique situation. I, I, I Sorry, th I think the the one question is, does having a significantly more competent quarterback mean that, you know, some of those carries that were going to Gordon are, are just kind of cut out because you're able to distribute the ball a little better? Yeah, or maybe and instead of carries, they're, they're, they're receptions, in which exactly. case that would favor Williams ever so slightly. But it was it was basically it, almost an exact 50-50 split of the workload. That was the thing that was pretty amazing to me. Uh, but Williams, you know, People are drafting him as if he's the main guy, though. It's yes. that it's not a 50 50 or even 60 40. He's going pick 18 over the weekend in the NF NFFC, a uh, range of 14 to 25, whereas Gordon is, you know, a parsec away. He's down at 109, the range of 97 to 129. I don't think there's that much of a gap between the two of them. Mm -hmm. And yet it still might not be wrong to get Javante because I think he's, he could be really awesome too. Yeah, it, it just it almost depends. Like, does he need Melvin Gordon to get banged up? Like, how much of a you know how much are, are, how dedicated are they going to be to splitting the carries again? Because it, it worked out fine last year. I mean, I, I think mm -hmm. it's not like the running back position was was their Achilles heel by any means. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying that this should be a you know Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris situation where they're going like five picks apart in yeah. drafts. But they also shouldn't be going eighty picks apart either. Yeah, that's true. Now, we have a new head coach, too. Nathaniel Hackett is now the head coach here, too. So keep in mind, different coaching staff, different decision tree, too. Uh, no legacy costs with Gordon. So that might be something that, that changes things a little bit as well. Uh, so, yeah, it, you know, this, is, this is another team, by the way, in the uh, AFC West that has an over-under of 10 wins. Uh, the Chiefs are 10.5. The, you know, the Chargers are at 10. The, the Broncos are at 10. The, Ra the Raiders, what they were? What did we say the Raiders were? I think they were, were they eight seven and a half? half? Eight and a half, and I bet the under. I think okay. it was eight and a half. Okay. Because, um, yeah, it was like a game and a half more than the Steelers, which I, I found was striking. But um, nonetheless, yeah, eight and a half was the total for uh, the Raiders. So okay. uh, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a lot of wins in the division. Everybody's expecting this division to be elite. But seems like there's, you got to fade someone, and I'm fading the Raiders. But where are you on the, uh, the Broncos in 10? I think they come in right around 10. I, I still, yeah. despite me saying that, I think this is going to be a rousing success. It's, it's hard for me to say like, they'll be definitively better than the chiefs or mm -hmm. better than the chargers, but it's in the cards, right? I mean, yeah. it would not be crazy whatsoever if, if Denver won this division and, you know, 
looking at the schedule yet again, you, you don't feel great about it just given that they play the same opponents, uh, you know, for the most part as the other teams in this division. And, you know, even the, you know, the non-division rotational opponents, you do get the jets. That's mm-hmm. nice. You know, you get the fourth place schedule. Um, you know, that they, they do play the Ravens though on the road. That's not ideal. Uh, that, that that's kind of a, a pretty tough break, I think for getting that fourth place team, but uh, yeah. it's going to be a war. It, and it, it really, it really feels to me like all four of these teams and, and I'm, I'm with you. If, if you have to kick one out, it is the Raiders just by default. You know, I mean, there's some divisions where they would be, you know, if they're in the AFC South, they might be the best team. But yeah, I, I think in this situation, they're probably fourth. It feels like the other three are all going to finish somewhere between nine and 12 wins. Like, I, I don't see one of those three going like 14 and three. Right. And you see the Broncos defense get drafted as early as almost as early as anyone behind the bills and bucks. And then after that, the, the, the Broncos are in that next tier defensively too, which is interesting. They have the strongest defense in the division. Yeah, uh, that that's usually bodes well for the overall total. So interesting there. Anything else on the Broncos or the AFC, AFC West you want to cover? Or are we thoroughly covered? I think we're pretty thoroughly covered. I mean, Broncos at Seahawks week one. Uh, obviously, yeah. that's been that's been well covered. But that is going to be that's here's another uh, youthful term for you. That's going to be a banger, as yes. the kids say. Uh, that'll be Monday night football uh, in week one. Are, are they doing the Monday night doubleheader? No, year? they stopped doing that. No? Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure that, they, that they're not doing that anymore. But uh, in fact, you know, a, a couple of years ago, they went away from I actually liked I liked the Monday night doubleheader the start oh, of the I? season. Um, but yeah, I don't think they're doing that. Um, pulling up the schedule right now uh, for week one. But of course, NFL always does like Hall of Fame in preseason. Like, guys, I know yeah. you you care about the Hall of Fame game, but whatever. This, this um, guy. Yeah, it's just it's just one game on Monday night. Okay. And the Sunday yeah, I mean, night game is uh, Bucks at Cowboys, so that's the other prime. Then the Thursday night game is uh, it's uh, Bills and Rams. God, that's that's boy. that's the one I'm excited about for Week One. It's coming up. It's coming up. We are what? I mean, it's August first, so we got thirty. Well, we got like forty-one days. Yeah, that's actually, happening. Probably less than that, I guess, until that Thursday game. Closer September eighth. Yeah, to five weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Better get our, our research done, uh, but right. no, we got to be ready. But no, it'll be good. It's going to be awesome. All right, that's going to wrap up today's podcast. Jake and Joe are at you tomorrow. Thanks to uh, Blue Wire Network. Thanks to all of our sponsors. Thanks to you guys for listening and commenting. We appreciate you. Take care. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.